Blog Talk Radio. Hello and uh, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is uh, the Ray Paris Show here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your humble correspondent, Ray Paris. And you know what? We have quite a bit to unpack for you today. And if this is probably your first time listening because this is my first show, maybe you have no idea what you stumbled upon. I'll tell you a little bit about myself, a little bit about me, Ray Paris, your humble correspondent, is that I came from the sports world. I talked a lot about the National Football League, more, most more specifically the Oakland Raiders. I went by the moniker Dr. Death. I was a community activist in my attempts to keeping the Oakland Raiders in Oakland. And I've always been passionate about all kinds of things, specifically in the sports world, but also more specifically in the politics world. And so after the last eight years of doing sports podcasting, I decided to take my ventures, take my podcasting experience, and taking it into the political realm. And here I am. I'm going to talk about all kinds of things, and let's start unpacking the reason why we are here. The name of the podcast today is Protesting the New Courage. We're going to get into Major League Baseball's world champions, world champions, Washington Nationals visit President Trump. We have a player who embraced Trump, and then we also have a, an actual list of players that protested President Trump. Also, too, delving into this thing of the of environmentalism, Greta Thunberg, a Swedish teenager who's an environmental activist on climate change, has gained international recognition for skipping school and protesting climate change, and the media is eating it up. And I'm going to get into why this is a big mistake, and if liberals want Donald Trump to win in 2020 – this is how you do it. I'll get into that. But also, here's another thing of how you how do you want to get Donald Trump reelected? This is how I think it's going to happen. Elizabeth Warren releases a wealth tax and releases a, a wealth tax on how she is going to tax billionaires. And billionaire and Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban criticizes her in a string of tweets. Also, did you see that? Kanye West will be visiting Joel Olstein in Houston this Sunday and will be performing another Sunday service. What does that mean for Christianity, and should you care? And if you're agnostic, should you be using Kanye West on a pedestal to really explain or use Kanye West of this is the new Christianity? Should you use Kanye West as a new, as a new Christianity? Also, in the did you see that, NCAA athletes can now get paid, but even through all that, one person is making a big mistake – and lastly, in the did you see that, do conservatives frighten others into conservatives and into conservatives into conservatism during the time in need? So let's get into it. Uh, Major League Baseball's world champion Na- Washington Nationals visit President Trump at the White House. However, however, eight players decide not to visit in protest. Now, the eight players, including Anthony Rendon, Sean Doolittle, uh, Victor Robles, Joe Ross, Wander Suero, Wilmer Defoe, and Javi Guerra. However, worth noting, Javi Guerra told the Washington Post that he did not attend the White House because he's preparing for his wedding uh, over the weekend while this trip happened. Now, other players may have had non-political reasons for skipping, but specifically Sean Doolittle. He released a statement on why he isn't, why he didn't visit the White House, and basically it was because of Donald Trump, President Donald Trump's rhetoric. Now, here's the thing: I'm a okay with that. If you do not want to go, if you do not want to visit 
the president of the United States because you disagree with whatever the, your reasons are, I am okay with that. If you want to embrace the president, the man in office, or the woman in office, if there's ever a woman in office, and you want to embrace them by wearing their shirt, fine. I don't care. Great. I'm all for that. Because here's the thing. If you go to Russia, and let's say Russia wins the gold medal in hockey, and a Russian captain decides not to visit Vladimir Putin, I think it's a safe bet that that said individual, if that ever comes, if that ever comes, that said individual the hockey team protests Vladimir Putin, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that that individual may not be alive the following week because other countries can't do it, but we can do it here. Great. I'm all for that. But there's one thing that's going on here, though. Now, there's been in the past where other players have not visited the president. More specifically, Mark Chamorro won the Green Bay Packers. Uh, were world champions in the late 90s, and Mark Chamorro decided he didn't want to visit Bill Clinton because of the, the scandal with Monica Lewinsky. There's also been other players. For example, uh, according to Weeks.com, Hall of Famer um, Hall of Famer from the 1972 Miami Dolphins, who went undefeated, were honored by Barack Obama. The, the players who decided not to go, citing political differences were Hall of Fame center Jim Langer, guard Bob Kuchenberg, and defensive tackle Manny Fernandez, all citing political differences. Fine. If you don't want to go see the president, I am okay with that. But some on the left, what they are also not okay with is when players embrace the president that the left doesn't like. Now, leading up to the visit to the White House, almost nobody knew who Kurt Suzuki was, their starting catcher for the Washington Nationals. I know who Kurt Suzuki is because I'm a big A's fan. Kurt Suzuki played with the Oakland A's at one point. But while Sean Doolittle and his other teammates are protesting this visit, Kurt Suzuki, not only does he come out with President Donald Trump, he whips out a red hat with a Make America Great Again with the Make America Great spelled out on the hat. And the left went nuts. The Palmer Report on Twitter says, quote, putting on a MAGA hat is a form of racist hate speech and an implicit threat of violence. Kurt Suzuki should be banned from baseball. If you don't like this tweet, you can F off or F you pretty much is what he said, close quote. Now, here's the thing. If you want to play this cancel culture game, I'd be very, very wary of you doing that because if you are going to play this cancel culture, at some point you can be the minority in this cancel culture where it can come back to you full circle. People are participating in this cancel culture because if you look at Dave Chappelle and his Netflix special where Dave Chappelle in his comedy routine goes after everybody. Everybody, that includes the LGBT, that includes the transgender community in the LGBT community. And people wanted him canceled for that. Now, going to the tweet, 
at Dalton W90 says, man, I love the Palmer Report. Whenever I want to know what the least thoughtful, softest, saltiest people in the country are saying, I just come here and get the distilled version. It's a really wonderful time saver. I can't wait until November 2020. At Nathan Z. Crocker on Twitter says, I don't agree with Suzuki one bit, but banning someone for wearing a hat would mean we live in North Korea, not the U.S. Hashtag think first. And that's completely right. But I'm telling you, if you are on the left and you want Donald Trump to get reelected, this is how you do it. But this is the thing, though. Although there are people who vote different ways, this is the one thing that I have to say about that is I never ask somebody who they voted for. I ask them, why did you vote for them? I'll give you an example. Here in California, Republicans get less than 8% of the Latino vote. Ron DeSantis, Republican governor of Florida, he has 80% approval amongst Latinos in Florida. And you, like, I would love to know why a Cuban who is an eligible voter, who is a naturalized citizen, who can vote and lives in a swing state, Likes President Trump, whereas here a Latino who can probably still vote, like many of my like many of my Mexican family members who hate Trump, but you have to ask them why. And the reason why I bring this up in social discourse, when you you always cut to the chase, like when you or when you're having a conversation with somebody, and the way like what they're saying sounds similar to Trump to what Trump says. Have you ever gotten this? You're you're a Trump supporter, huh? You're a Trump supporter, and it's like it's like that's the nail in the coffin. It doesn't matter why they're a Trump supporter, but if you answer that question, yes, I'm a Trump supporter, it's almost like you are canceled in your respective circle or in that time frame with said individual, whether it's your family, whether it's a friend, whether it's somebody at work or you're at school. If you say, yeah, I'm a Trump supporter, there's a high likelihood that you are going to get canceled. And let's look at this situation. Sean Doolittle, he protested going to the White House, and he was celebrated. Kurt Suzuki, who plays and probably lives in Washington, D.C., who went 93% Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election and played in the Bay Area for a couple, for a couple of years in an ultra-blue area of California, he has more to lose. Just by the fact of putting on a red hat with letters that said "Make America Great," Kurt Suzuki's Asian American. I would love to ask him why. What about it? I was having a conversation today. I took my my pet, my dog, to the vet today, and I was actually talking to a veterinary assistant, and she asked what I do, and I said I do this podcast. I'm actually doing one tonight. And she asked what it's on, and every time somebody asks me what I do my podcast on, that is – I'm trying to figure out, do I just say I'm talking pop culture, or can I actually say politics? So I went for it. I went for it, and I say, yeah, I talk about politics. And to my surprise, she was very interested. She goes, what do you talk about? And without really going into it, I didn't really let her know what my political beliefs are, but the reason why I bring this up is because she was open. She, she told me herself. That she calls herself a dirty liberal, but even at the young age of 19, she, she has made it a point 
to speak to people of her opposing views, and she said, you know, yeah, there are things that conservatives say that I do agree with. And the older you get, the more experiences that you get, the more experiences that you have, you are more likely to say, you know, I get that. And as I and I was mentioning to her, and you know what? I'll call her Kay. She said she might be listening tonight. I'm not sure if she is or not. Is I told her most people or almost nobody can fit in a cute little political bubble anymore. And like I mentioned earlier, a Latino here in Northern California and a Latino in South Florida may vote completely different. They come from Latin American countries, but their experiences may be different. I don't know what Kurt Suzuki's experience is. And I'm seeing on my timeline how people are disappointed in him and how much he sucks. I mean, half these people probably don't even know him. They don't even know why he votes. They don't even know if he left the top of the ticket blank. They don't know if he did it just to support our president. They don't know that. I'm very curious to know why he did that. And I implore you guys, I implore you, if you are next at your family meeting and or you're with friends or you're with people who are willing to have a conversation, ask them why. Why do you feel the way you do, not who did you vote for? Because I think there needs to be a little bit more discourse. And like I said, I think Kurt Suzuki has, has – he has more to lose. He has more to lose because he stood up for the president. If you look back at the, at the World Series when they played in Washington and Donald Trump went to a World Series game, I believe it was game five, he was booed by everybody in that stadium. So now after winning the World Series and Kurt Suzuki goes to play next season – He's either – he could possibly get booed even though he just won a World Series, or if he's walking around town, which many pro athletes do, is he, is he going to have to face physical repercussions? Is he going to have to hide his identity just because of the red hat that he wore? And I have to ask you guys at home, if you're listening, do you participate in this cancel culture? Do you automatically assume because somebody – and, and I bring this up specifically – because when you write in the circle, when you circle in the bubble next to the presidential candidate in less than 11 months from now or a year, there's no like, – it doesn't matter how you shade the bubble or if you go in circles or you, – you shade the bubble one way or another. There's no explanation of when you circle in that bubble next to that candidate that you want. You don't say Donald Trump and then follow it with, yeah, kind of, but okay. No one cares. But what is interesting, and I implore you guys to just chat with somebody or whoever opposing view, maybe they're middle of the road, maybe they're right, they're left, ask them why and understand them. And I'm not I'm not saying that you need to agree with them, but just don't participate in this cancel culture. Hey, I'm gonna go to break really quick. Feel free to call in uh, 516-387-1820. Phone lines are open, 516-387-1820. This is the Ray Paris Show here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Swedish teenage environmentalist Greta Thunberg and her gaining national attention and why this is just a big mistake and why this could really cost the country, cost the country hundreds of millions, if not trillions of dollars if someone like Greta Thunberg is taken seriously. I'm I'm Ray Paris. This is the Ray Paris show. Don't don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ray Paris Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Feel free to call in at 516-387-1820, 516-387-1820. You know, there's this thing that's been happening. Uh, Greta Thunberg, a Swedish, a Swedish teenage environmental activist on climate change, gained international recognition for skipping school, and the media is just eating it up. A little bit more about Thunberg. Thunberg first became known for her activism in August of 2018, when at the age of 15, she began spending her school days outside the Swedish parliament to call for stronger action on global warming by holding up a sign saying in Swedish, school strike for the climate. Soon other students engaged in similar protests in their own communities, and then later on, Greta Thunberg would visit the United, the, the United, Nations, the United Nations. And this is what Thunberg said to them, quote, you have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. We are at the beginning of a mass extinction, extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Close quote. How dare you? And you know what I didn't see in this? I didn't see any solutions. I didn't see we should be doing this. We should be doing that. This is what I want to do. We don't, we don't see – Especially whether it's from her, whether it's from politicians, we don't see – and when we do see results, and we'll get into this in just a second, when, and I'll get into this in just a second. The, the proposals that they do give is like taking, like taking cars off the road, re, replacing natural gas with wind turbines, taking us back to the pre-industrial age. Now, the one thing – now, here, here's, the, here's the one thing that – no, like – what she doesn't address. And from what I understand, I don't think Greta has – Greta Thunberg, I don't think that she's done any interviews that cross-examines her. And, you know, I, I, let, let's start off with let, – let's start off with this. I don't like when either party uses children as a political prop. Earlier this year, there was this little girl – I'm not even going to use her name – this little girl, she started out as a mini AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a rookie congresswoman out of New York, and at first it was cute and sweet and funny. And there was this six-year-old girl, uh, Mexican little girl, looked like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez at six years old, and she had the makeup on, and it was a parody. And one of her lines that was cute and funny, I thought at the time, was socialism? Well, I know social media, and it was something like that, and it was funny. But what the parents continued to do after that is that she, after she gained notoriety and attention is she, they had this little girl regurgitating policy issues that no six-year-old in their right mind would regurgitate. And this soon became prevalent, and more political commentators started um, chiming in, and they're saying, don't, like, don't use children. And I completely agree with that. Because these children can't think for themselves. Now, going to this climate change and what Greta's standing for, there's a little factoid 
that Greta is really missing. A- according to Robert Rapier of Forbes, quote, according to the 2017 BP statistical review of the world energy, since 2005, annual U.S. carbon dioxide emissions have declined by 758 million metric tons. That is by far the largest decline of any country in the world over that time span and is nearly as large as the 770 million metric ton decline from the entire European Union. Okay, it, it continues. By comparison, the second largest decline during the period was registered by the United Kingdom, which reported a 170 million metric ton decline. So in essence, the United States is leading the world in declined and decreased global emissions. So why is Greta protesting at the United Nations and, and scheduling protests here in the United States? Why? There was a report that Greta did a uh, did a uh, she she did a turbine where, where she jumped on a on a boat powered by solar energy and came across the Atlantic to the United States, but the people that had to come get Greta had to fly on a plane to get here, a plane that uses gasoline to get here. So all of this is virtuous. So my question to Greta as well and all these climate change activists, why are you protesting the United States? And when I mean active, like I drive for Uber in San Francisco. Just the other day I'm driving, and there was all of California Street, which is a major street in San Francisco, that people were were protesting climate, the climate, and we need to take action. But there isn't any solutions that wouldn't take us back to the pre-industrial age. It would have made more sense if these said people, including, including Greta, went to the Indian or Chinese consulate, those two countries who lead the world in global emissions. And you honestly think that China and India are going to listen to a 16-year-old? Who shouts, how dare you? Now, also, if you look at the Paris Climate Accord, if you guys aren't aware, Donald, President Donald Trump took the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Accord. And they were up in arms. Many people were on the left were up in arms about the U.S. It wasn't, it wasn't a good look. But you know what they all you know what many people don't like answering or don't bring up or maybe don't volunteer the information? What is the cost of being in the Paris Climate Accord? In a study done by the Stanford Modeling Forum, the cost of the of the Paris Climate Accord would cost roughly one trillion dollars a year. By the end of the century, $300 million will be spent to reduce the world temperature three-tenths of one degree. So I am not saying – and I am, I'm not saying that I'm denying climate change. That is not what I'm saying, and if you're rolling your eyes and you're thinking you're just a climate denier, I'm not denying it. But what I'm also saying is throughout history, the climate has changed. And the reason what got us here for the climate to change, it was used 
to advance what we know today as an industrial, an industrious world. Yeah, this is what it comes down to. From how do you apply this national or this global issue of climate change, and how does it apply to your city? Or in your city, like in my hometown of Sacramento, my hometown of Sacramento, or in San Francisco, have you seen a decrease of lanes where there's less cars on the road, but there's more room for bicyclists? Because that is their indirect way of having you use your car less often. What's being proposed is – and you'll see this in the Green New Deal where, where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants to create more trains, less cars, less airplanes. Yeah, uh, I have Hawaii on line one. Now, I'm here to tell you I don't have the answers right now, but you know how we do get the answers? The free market. At some point in the free market where somebody who is really smart and has the incentive to make something good in a competitive market at some point or another, we'll come up with an idea that will reduce climate change. It may not happen now. It may not happen in five years. It may not happen in 20 years. It may not happen in 30 years. Now, I also want to talk about this, and this is where it also it being climate change and the effects it has had on culture. You know how it has what it has affected on cultures. Have, have you have you heard this? I, I hear this quite often, especially driving for Uber, where in San Francisco, where many of my many of my drivers they're very progressive, and they're in their late twenties, early thirties. Maybe they're making a really good income. I've had many of them who are now married. They're married, they have steady jobs, and it's time in their life where they have to consider having kids. But you know what follows that now, especially in the, in the progressive millennials? It's, uh, I don't know if I want to have kids and bring them in this world because our world may end in 30 years. I don't want to expose my child to climate change. And you're seeing this movement of climate change refugees. And I try to interject this non-politically as possible, and this is what I say to them. Imagine being in the 1920s, 1930s, and there is a woman, an African-American woman, who says, you know, I don't know if I want to have a child during this time because there's a lot of segregation. There's a lot of racism. And in 1929, let's say 1928, nine months before January 15th, so it's nine months before January 15th. This woman says, I should, I should abstain from consensual sex from my husband because I don't want to bring a child into this world. And she, and she does so. This woman, 1929, comes around. January 15th, she's not pregnant. She doesn't have a child. Let's fast forward 60, 70, 80 years. We no longer have a Martin Luther King Jr. Just because on the premise in 1928 – where there was mass segregation, there was a lot of racism, especially in the South. If you continue to have that mentality of, I don't want to have a child because of what my life is, the, the conditions are now, then you are going to risk not having somebody that can cure said issue in the next 20 to 50 years. And wouldn't you think the more children you – I'm not saying you have 6, 8, 10 children, but – if you think about it, 300 million people, half of which are adults, if 
100 million adults have at least two to three children, at least two to three children, instead of having none, isn't the likelihood of having somebody to solve any current issue is higher because the more children you have, the more opportunity you have in the next 30 to 50 years to solve an issue? Like Bill Gates, what do you think the world would be like without Bill Gates? What do you think the world would be like without Microsoft or Apple? What do you think the world would be like without these individuals who lived in a world and said, I don't want to bring – what if their parents said, I don't want to bring somebody into this world because I fear for them. I fear that this world may not be good for them, but yet that said child may absolutely have a solution to this. Now, I don't think Martin Luther King was born into a wealthy family. I don't think that they were affluent that I'm aware of. Now, going back to what are your solutions to stopping climate change, if we got there because of global emissions, then to reduce global emissions, you must stop driving cars. More bikes, fewer lanes for cars, and you're actually seeing that now. How much like and here's the thing too. I'm all for solar energy. Absolutely all for it. Let's do it. But that means we can't give up clean uh, we can't give up our cars, our planes. But let me ask you how, how much money has the US poured into solar energy and how much of our energy comes how much energy does the US get from solar? According to Bloomberg, clean energy is projected to hit $3.6 trillion. Of that, 7% of the U.S. energy comes from solar. So we've already spent $3.6 trillion on clean energy, but yet we only use 7%. And that's what we want to bank climate change on? I'm all for – I am all for making our climate better. I'm all for making – to having cleaner energy. But not at the behest of me losing my car, losing my plane, and having a 16, 17-year-old shouting, how dare you? Because you know what this is? What, what, what this is is these are adults that can't come up with solutions hiding behind a virtue-signaling 17-year-old. Why? It makes no sense. And you know why I specifically bring this up? I specifically bring this up because here in my hometown of, of, uh, of West Sacramento, the other day – there was – I'm looking, looking. I have – the other day in my hometown, there was a – ah, here we go. Uh, Mayor's Commission on Climate Change High School Student Climate Change Summit at here in West Sacramento at my, at my home at – at the high school I went to. That was Saturday, October 19th at 9 a.m. What do you think they possibly talked about? That could, could, that could change the future of climate change. Like, it's, it's, you're spending money virtuously on something to make you feel good like you're doing something different. Unless there's like an Einstein or there's somebody that's going to create something different, something new that's going to change the future of the world, what are you doing? And again, I'm all for clean energy. I'm all for trying to save the planet. I totally am. But I specifically bring this up because if you are voting, if you are voting, screw the candidate. Don't look at the candidate. Look at what they are proposing that's going to affect you tomorrow without spending and pouring trillions of dollars 
that you're going to get less than 7% of that trillion dollars. Guys, I want to go to break really quick. Feel free to call uh, call in 516-387-1820. 516-387-1820. I'm going to take your calls. I'm going to also talk about Elizabeth Warren's rollout on her health, on her wealth tax that has been met with criticism. And I'm seeing some on Twitter, seeing some on Twitter backing her and laughing at these billionaires who do not like her tax proposal. Hey, guys, call me uh, 516-387-1820. This is the Ray Paris Podcast. We got quite a bit more to get into. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the you're listening to the Ray Paris Podcast. Hey guys, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ray Paris Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. I do have some friends listening in. Shout out to Lenny. She's she's going to be wanting to chat in just a second. Also, uh, Zach, my boy Zach here in Sacramento. Feel free to call in, guys. 516-387-1820. I want to hear from you guys. We've been talking about the Kurt Suzuki um, wearing the MAGA hat at the White House when the uh, world champion, MLB world champion nationals appeared in front of the White House after winning the championship as Almost all teams do when they win a championship, and of course, every year, one of the players do not attend in protest. And you know what? There's one thing that I actually missed in that monologue that I'm going to bring it up here before we get on further. The one thing that I, that I brought on, and I was talking to my mom about this, and she disagreed with me. She disagreed with me. But there was one thing that, again, like I said, I support anybody peacefully protesting. If you don't want to go, you don't want to go. Fair. If you want to embrace your president, whether you love Obama and you want to wear an Obama shirt, fair. If you want to wear a MAGA hat, fine, and I don't think you should be canceled over it. But the one thing that I will lend, not even criticism, maybe advice to those like the Sean Doolittles and the Anthony Rendones who didn't show up, okay? The one thing that I would say to them is it would be more of you to – not even more of you. I, I can understand it more if you went there and you said, 
I spoke with the president about issues I didn't like. Because what's, what's President Trump going to do? What, what President Trump, if President Trump would say, no, I don't want to listen to you, that's, a bad, that's bad PR for him. It's in his best interest to say, all right, Sean, absolutely, I would love to chat with you. Because, and some of you guys might be at home and be thinking, there's no way in hell anybody would do that. Well, yeah, Kim Kardashian did it. Kim Kardashian, not only did Kim Kardashian do that, she, she got prison reform passed in the Oval. And she had, a, she had a whole photo op along with Kanye West, which we're going to get to later on. Jim Brown was there. And there was some prison reform that was passed that some conservatives did not like. And with Sean Doolittle or the Michael Taylors, the Wilmer Defoe's, the Joe Rosses, the Anthony Rendones, going in there and speaking to the president, the likelihood of them – something coming out to light and saying we did have a conversation, that would speak more volumes. But you want to know why that won't happen? Is This is why this is why it wouldn't happen is because even if – let's say Sean Doolittle were to pass something with President Trump, and it's good, but, pres- but that would mean President Trump would get credit for passing such thing. That's a big no-no. Even if President Trump came out tomorrow in support of the Green New Deal, you honestly think that the liberal media would say, all right, President Trump is doing something good? There's always something that falls with orange bad, orange man bad, and he can't do anything good. If you don't believe me, 516-387-1820, 516-387-1820, call me if you completely disagree with me. You know, there's something else I want to really get into, and it's like, you know what, as, as, a, as a voter, as a voter, and somebody who votes the issues, I'm not married to any political party. I'm waiting for a liberal to come out and say, I have a better policy than Trump at any cost. At anywhere, but but liberals like Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, they can't help themselves. They have to come out with proposals that are archaic, that will bring us back to the pre-industrial age. Now, before I get to that, before I get to that on why I think Elizabeth Warren is off her rocker and she proposed her wealth tax, I want to go to the phone lines really quick. Len said that she wants to jump in here. Hey, Len, calling from Stockton. What's going on? Len, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Oh, were you talking about Pocahontas? <laughs> yes, I'm about to go into Pocahontas and why her oh. wealth tax is, is going to ruin the nation. But what did you want to talk I'm about, Len? Did you, um, just real curious, um, well, first, actually, thank you very much for taking my call. Um, did course. you look at the calculator on her website? Oh, no, I haven't. Please let us know about that. You should probably do that. Um, yeah, you just, like, type in any number, and, you know, she's talking about how much money you're going to get back. You type in the number, and um, whatever number you enter from the beginning, that number comes right back out. Really? Um, so Yeah, we checked it out. They even typed in, like, a million, typed in a million dollars, and a million dollars came back. Like, delusional. So, yeah, so, check so out, um, let me, let me get this website. straight. So you put that money. So wait, wait, hold, hold on, let me. So you put your money, what you make, and what, and the money that comes out is the money so, you would get in return in your tax returns. Is that what you're saying? Or health, or health care. 
Oh, oh, okay. Type it okay. in on your website, yeah. Um, in regards to healthcare, type it in, and that same exact number, no matter what number you type it, it comes out every time. Um, and then I know you were talking about, oh, what's that little girl? Oh, Greta? Right? Did you mention her? Yeah, Greta, right. The girl that wore the Antifa shirt with her parents? Yep, Greta Thunberg. She's the... Uh, she is the activist from. Uh, How dare you! From she, she, she's, she's an activist, yeah. Yep. <laughs> How dare you steal my future? <laughs> that one. Uh, yeah, her parents and her wore Antifa gear. That's crazy. Uh, Say and that again. Also, I said her parents and her wore Antifa gear. You can just like look it up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The part of Antifa, right? The terrorist organization that um, that almost killed Andy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just attacked um, Caitlin Bennett as well, like within the last two weeks or something like that. Hey, Uh, Caitlin. Hey, give us give us your final thoughts. Oh, my final thoughts is just. um, I mean, I guess just. (laughs) <laughs> These people are crazy. If you want to go to, um, I would say, InfoWars or um, com. like, you can find all this stuff. Like, Greta saying she wants Facebook to be censored more, um, how she can't talk without a script. Um, she's funded by Soros, Bill Manilia Gates, Melina Gates, um, and child services have been called on them um, in Sweden. Any of that, I mean, she's totally been exploited. But um, yeah, that was it. Cool. And you, you and you know what? You're 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 totally right. Hey, Lenny, thanks so much for calling, and I really appreciate your call. I'm actually going to touch on something you just mentioned, Len. Thanks so much. I'm going to put you on pause. And she's, you know what? Lenny brought up something that actually applies to even the Colin Kaepernick's of the world. It whether it's Colin Kaepernick, even if it's somebody conservative. If you cannot speak off of script, then you have no business speaking. Because if, like, for example, when was the last time that you saw Colin Kaepernick go on Fox News, even on a friendly MSNBC, CNN, where he was cro- where his thoughts were cross-examined? When's the last time you saw that? I haven't seen it, and that's one of the reasons why I don't agree with having children, even conservative children, like the little mini AOC. The moment that she started regurg and I mean regurgitating, because we all know no six, seven, or eight year old is going to do some research and put some thought into policy regarding money and tax brackets. She's regurgitating from her parents. The moment that you cross examine that eight year old, she's going to be like, uh, I don't know what my mom said. And, you know, kudos to guys like Ben Watson, tight end or former tight end, I believe, to the New England Patriots. I don't know if he's still a free agent. He goes on Fox News as a liberal. He is pro, he's pro-life, but he has other liberal leanings, and he goes on to Fox News, the CNN, gets cross-examined. I appreciate something like that because when I hear Ben Watson, who has a different view than me, that, that allows me to go do some research, as you can hear Lenny, who was just speaking. You can tell she did her research. That's what you need to do. If you want discourse, don't silence free speech like what Lenny mentioned about – about Greta, how Facebook should silence free speech. We're actually going to get into that on our next episode coming up on Sunday of why we shouldn't silence free speech and how why some people think that the First Amendment needs to be amended. That's on Sunday. But 
as the show goes on, I want to get onto something different because this has I've actually been seeing the sentiment more and more where um, it's immoral to be a billionaire. So Elizabeth Warren rolls out her wealth tax that has been met with criticisms like the likes of Bill Gates and Mark Cuban. And Mark Mark Cuban tweets out he tweeted out November 9, twenty nineteen. Forbes says that Elizabeth Warren's worth is north of twelve million dollars. That's being rich, filthy rich. I'm sure it's richer than she ever imagined she she would be. Good for her. She earned it. It puts her millions above the threshold for being part of the richest 1% by net worth in our country, close quote. And completely right. She, he, he's completely right. And the other – earlier this year, I was over at the Republican the, – the California Republican Convention, and I was being interviewed, and I was purposely looking for reporters who were liberal progressives and, of course, the, the Sacramento News and Review who are very liberal. And I had a conversation with the reporter. And he flat out said, how is it not immoral to be a billionaire? And my question to him is, the Lindsay Snyder, who is worth $3 billion, 37-year-old, youngest billionaire, to, youngest female billionaire at that, to own in and out So my question to him was, when Lindsay Snyder and her family and her grandfather, who originally owned in and out if he's making these really good hamburgers and he, he makes $900 million worth of hamburgers one weekend, and then the following weekend, Memorial Day weekend, he makes even more hamburgers because this is really good hamburgers. The moment that he makes really good hamburgers, that it puts her and her family at a billion dollars, that makes him immoral because – She's, she's not taking any money from a poor person. She's not taking any taxpayer money. She's basically providing a service just like the Bill Gates, just like the Jeff Bezos. Like, and seven out of ten millionaires don't start out as millionaires. How much money was Jeff Bezos making when he was starting Amazon out of his garage? How much money was Mark Zuckerberg making in his college dorm room? What really should be preached is income mobility. And NPR, uh, Greg, Greg Rosalski at NPR says, has an article called the Euroflop. Normally progressives like to point out, point to Europe for policy success. Not this time. The experiment with the wealth tax in Europe was a failure in many countries. France's wealth tax contributed to the exodus of an estimated 42,000 42, millionaires between 2000 and 2012, Rosalski's continues, among other problems, only last year French President Emmanuel Macron killed the wealth tax. And if you don't think that it's going to happen – if it's going to happen there in France, what, may, what makes you think it won't happen here in the United States? People are going to stop investing. Like, here's the thing with this. Progressive liberals think that just because you take money from billionaires – that they're going to continue to act the same way with their money, even you take away billions from them. Mark Cuban also had another tweet, and um, I know Bill Gates mentioned this, that he's more than happy to pay more money, but he also shouldn't take all of his money or most of his money. Well, my comment to them is, write the check. Why do you need the government to write your check? Well, why do you need the government to force you to write a check? 
write a check, give it to the IRS, and say, you know, I don't want to pay $300 million, which I think that's what Bill Gates is paying every year. I want to pay $800 million or $500 million, whatever that money, whatever that figure is. Just write a check. And by doing that, what you're saying, what the Bill Gates and what the Mark Cubans are saying, the Bill Gates of the world and the Mark Cubans of the world, what they're basically saying is, I don't know how to spend my money in philanthropy because the more money that they write in taxes, the less money they're probably going to give in philanthropy. I don't know how to spend my money in philanthropy, so I'm going to send my money to Washington because I think Republicans know how to spend it better than you. Oh, you think that money is only going to go to the coffers of Democrats? Best believe Republicans in the Senate are going to want it. They're going to see instead of $4 trillion in taxpayer money that we see every year spent, it'll be $5 trillion, $6 trillion. And you don't think Republicans aren't going to see that and say we have more money to go to our causes? You don't think that's going to happen? You think that money that Bill Gates and Mark Cuban write extra, that give extra, isn't going to go to some Republican causes? You don't think that's going to happen? You don't think that people are going to be less likely to invest here in California? We've already seen – we have already seen some people, some billionaires who say, I, I will – I will move my business here because that's all, that's all billionaires have to do. That's their luxury that they have. They can say, you know what? I'm out. I'm moving somewhere else. And according to Karen Blankfield, she wrote a piece in Forbes titled The American Billionaires Behind the Most Jobs. She continues, the top 12 billionaire job creators altogether worth more than $308 billion have generated at least 2.3 million jobs globally. That's also not including, like you look at Lowe's and, and Home Depot, when you have private contractors going there and getting business there or using Home Depot and their resources that they provide to make money that way. That, that, that 2.3 million jobs globally, I would go out on a limb and say that's a little bit higher. That wealth tax, you're not taxing income. You're taxing on everything that you have in total, whether it's stocks, whether it's your land, whatever you have. And at what point – I think that's immoral. Is that even constitutional? I'm really curious. Hey, I want to go to the phone lines. 347, 347 what is your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, my name is Hotep East Coast. How are you? First-time caller. Oh, hey, hey Hotep. Thanks so much for calling in. What, what, what's on your mind? Um, you're um, eloquently breaking down your thoughts on the present economic system. Have you given any breakdown on your thoughts on historically where the foundations of the wealth is coming from? Or do you think that the land grabs and the Native Indians and the Latinos and the blacks and the females and the child laborers and the Irish serfs um, – don't factor into this, and if so, how so? Okay, no, thank you so much for the question. So here's the thing is historically speaking, land has been traded. Land has gone from being owned to being taken, and that's historically true. But we are also living in a society where, yes, whatever happened to you in the past, you live. we live in a current society where you have the opportunity to buy land – 
and advance yourself. Like somebody who is born poor and doesn't have any land, they have the opportunity to have that wage mobility, invest in real estate, and invest in real estate to increase their their net wealth over time. There's nothing that you can do in the past to change what we have in the future now. So yes, whether it's here, and, and you know when when the Vikings came here, right? When if you want to go that far back, when the Vikings settled here, the thing about the Vikings is that they didn't have, they didn't create a society that was sustainable over the long run to sustain themselves, which is where we are today, where you have an industrialized culture that was able to sustain itself. And if, oh, go ahead. Yeah, your response is paradoxical and confusing. You, do, you are very eloquent, and I give you an A-plus in terms of your syntax, semantics, and grammar. Uh, but in terms of your comprehension of um, racism and the the abuses that – because I see your last name. I'm guessing that you may be Latino or Hispanic possibly. I am, am half I Guamanian. I'm half Guamanian, and I'm half Mexican, and yeah. I have Japanese so, ancestry. Yeah, so your background itself, historically, you should be, in my opinion, a person that has a much deeper comprehension and empathy of what the natives in Guam and what the Japanese and what the Apache, Comanche, Navajo, the Olmecs experience. But instead, what I'm hearing, and you're very, by the way, you're great as a host, but you probably don't have the foundations in the empathy for the native groups. You probably have a great foundation in the U.S. Constitution. You probably would disregard the struggles and pain of Latinos and blacks, even though you are part of that group. The, the thing is, though, and because and, and, I do have to get going, but I really appreciate the phone call. Going back to that, that does like I'm not directly affected by that now. What I am, what I am most concerned about is what I have now and how to better myself going forward. Because there's nothing. But that sir, you the can entire do nation to... is built on that. You're ignoring, sir. You you you're very good at what you do. But you're ignoring the fact that if you accept, and I respect the fact that you're allowing me to communicate my um, what I feel, and thank you so much. You, I have friends like you that are Japanese, that Nihama, that are Chinese, but that have bought totally into the Anglo-modern Western system. They disregard their native Indian, their Japanese, their Yoruba, their Olmec history, and they say, oh, but that was the past. Well, then I say, people like me, if that was the past, then why do you believe in the U.S. Constitution? And it becomes, well, you know, what blacks and natives and women went through, that's nothing. But that's what built America. Oh, but it doesn't matter. Let's just move forward and let's make the money. And that is a major problem for anyone with ethics, morals, or a good sense of okay. what uh, many groups went through. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. And thank. I think I gave you enough time. I do have to get going. And I'm going to end like this because I think I gave you enough time. I appreciate that. This is what I'm going to say to that. And uh, uh, hot tap, right? Hello. No, it's a part of our culture. It's hotep, H-O-T-E-P. And by the way, if, if you would like to talk at another point, I could give you some more info on some of the Olmecs and the Taino culture and Latino culture, etc. And thank you so much. I do appreciate that. And if you guys are listening, I think I gave him a fair enough time. Here's what I'm going to say to that, okay? If you were to airlift anybody from the 1890s 
or the 1950s, you were to airlift them and bring them into 2019 and not tell them anything that's going on, and they were, and you were to bring them to a casino here where I live in Sacramento, where Native Americans, yes, they're thriving, yes, they're given opportunity, not all Native Americans, but there are portions of Native Americans where they're thriving, they're making money. There's Latinos, there's Guamanians like my family that are on Guam, that, are, that have land that they're cultivating. And you were to airlift somebody from the 1950s to 2019, they'd look at everybody and say, why is everybody so mad at each other? Why are Native Americans who suffered greatly that are now making millions because they were given now an opportunity to create like, – like I have my best friend right now, and I, I do not mean to invoke my own personal experiences, but my best friend and her husband, they're Native American. They're probably instantly in the next five years are going to become millionaires because they were given land. What they decided to do with that land, they can do whatever they want. They're building a casino. And I'm pretty sure in the next five years when they make those millions, I think that's safe to say that they are better off now than their ancestors 500 years ago. I'm pretty safe to say that in my house that I live now, I am better off than my grandmother who was in a Japanese concentration camp in 1943 during World War II. I'm better off now than at that time. So, And I completely get it. I understand where he's coming from. It's this victim mentality. But if you continue to have that victim while you are surrounded in a country that has the best health care, the greatest innovation, you will be a victim of your own mentality. And I just don't agree with that. What does that accomplish? Honestly, 516-387-1820. And I... And I I, I understand, like, okay, so if I wasn't a good communicator, does that mean that I don't have a good argument? I'm just really curious. Len, I want to go to you. You've, I want to go back to you. You've stayed on here. You were just texting me a frenzy. I'm not sure I agree with everything you say, but Len's, you gotta bring you, Lenny, you got to bring you back on here. Lenny. <laughs> yes, I'm here. Go ahead. I know you were tweeting me a frenzy. I'm going to give you an opportunity because yeah, you were texting me. So silly. I completely and don't disagree cut. with don't the cut, guy. By the way. Don't cut. Talking. I didn't. I completely I disagree with him. Um, I'm Native American, and <laughs> oh, I almost want to laugh. I know that's mean. Um, yeah, I completely disagree with him. Um, I'm also Black, Italian, Iranian. Um, so everything that he said was like way wrong. He's like just trying to say that you're going <laughs> so after like in one way. I'm almost no, and flabbergasted. No, and I completely get it. Hey, Lynn, thanks so much. I just wanted to bring you on here because I know you you were texting me away, and I wanted to give the audience the opportunity Can we to hear add you him say what no, he, he hung up already. I don't think he was happy with what I said. Oh. But, Len, hey, I do got to get going. I just wanted to bring you on here really quick. Um, but thanks, Len, so much. You know, the, and I, I really do appreciate his, him calling in. And, you know, when I, I asked him his correct pronunciation of his name, he was, it was like as if I should have known the origin of his name. And that's the thing. It's, before I finish off with this topic, I want to go to break one more time before I go to the did you see that um, is I don't like this identity politics. 
over at Sac State, I've talked about this before, but not on this program. At Sac State, there is this group called Brown Issues. And I'm Latino. I, I, I don't like really invoking like what I do or, um, or invoking my, you know, my heritage. But I'm Latino, yo hablo español, te puedo platicar, whatever, whatever have you, right? But I look at this group that's Brown Issues, and if you don't know me, I, I, see, I have my photo up. If you, if you see my photo on Blog Talk Radio or you know me personally, I'm not a dark guy. But I'm Latino, and what does why does it have to be brown issues? Why can't it be Latino pride? Why can't it be Mexican pride? If why can't it be Chicano pride? What issues do you have that you can't overcome that people in the past have overcome? I don't. I just don't understand the whole identity politics of this. We. I, I should be talking about how great maybe Cesar Chavez was or what any Latino leaders have done to pave the way to become to where many of us are now. Brown issues, I just never understood that. I don't have any issues, and I'm not brown. And I was really curious to see how many of them even speak Spanish, not that speaking Spanish infers or confers your culture, but are you saying you, you, you only have issues because of the color of your skin? I, I've been to places, and again, I don't mean to invoke my own personal experiences, but, I, but I've done a taquerias where they thought I was white and they, they took extra long to serve me, where they would say, hey, I, let's, let's let that gringo wait there. I walked out. I'm not going to give them my business. That's, that's the perks of the free economy. If Man, you know what? If you're brown issues and you want to set up your booth and say you have brown issues, good. You're in an area that people are going to be more um, charismatic to you or going to understand you more. I want to go to break really quickly, and we got to go. Did you see that? Because we're running out of time. Um, did you see that? So we're going to talk about Kanye West, Joel Olstein, also NCAA, allowing, and allowing their players to make money off their namesake. Somebody's making a big mistake in that. I'll tell you what that is. And then lastly, this is the one thing that I actually added on to this program right before I started. Um, do, GO, do, do GOPers, do Republicans frighten Americans when, when in the time of need? I'll go to that in just a second. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Ray Parrish Podcast here on Block Talk Radio. Feel free to call in 516-387-1820. Hey guys, welcome. Welcome. You're listening to the Ray Paris Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, I'm taking guest calls, 516-387-1820. 516-387-1820. Uh, 
1820. Hey, did you see that? I don't know if you guys saw um, Kanye West, according to TMZ, will share the stage with Joel Olstein at his 50,000-person Lakewood Church in Houston. That's the former arena of the Houston Rockets. This will be this Sunday to discuss how the artist was able to overcome significant adversity in his life. Now, Kanye West has his new faith-based focused album called Jesus is King reached number one on the Billboard charts and has broken West's previous online streaming records. That's according to the Christian Post. The 27-minute music release garnered the second largest sales week of the year for an R&B hip-hop album with over 100,000 copies sold, assuming that's like on iTunes or other music platforms. Now, the thing is I have a couple of things where I'm kind of wary for this. I don't really care for Joel Olstein. Joel Olstein, if you don't know who he is, he's a preacher of what is really purported to be prosperity gospel, where if you follow God's word and give to charity, then God will will turn and make you rich, where the actual teaching of God is don't have kids out of wedlock, obey the Ten Commandments, like don't covet thy neighbor, don't kill, give charity without expecting anything in return, make good decisions in life, be responsible with money, don't abuse drugs, you know, all, all that stuff. And mo- like in the Catholic faith, I'm being Catholic, that when you take a vow to become a priest or a nun, you take a vow of poverty where you don't make a lot of money. There's been major stories like Father Karapi. Look him up, Father Karapi, who he came in with about two, three million dollars, and the church said he had to give that up, and he decided not to. But here with Olstein, he has a purported ten a ten million dollar home. He has about what. 40 million viewers because he's a televangelist. Now, the problem that I have with this is, is Joel Olstein the right person to have your gospel, which we're going to get to Kanye's newfound faith and what it actually means for pop culture. But I just don't see Joel Olstein being that guy to be representative of Christians. Because what's going to happen is, is when Kanye appears with Joel Olstein, Kanye, just by association of Joel Olstein, people are going to see that's what Christians are like. That's, that's who Christians are. And not many, not all Christians abide or share the same view of Joel Olstein. And during, during Hurricane Katrina, Joel Olstein faced major – I believe it was Hurricane Katrina, one of the major hurricanes in Texas, where he faced major criticism that he didn't bring in refugees or people who were – escaping the the hurricane into his 50,000-seat former basketball arena. Later on, he did. But, of course, you know if, if you are a preacher of that magnitude, you are held to a higher standard. So, uh, of course, if you have a family of 12 and you live in a six-bedroom mansion in Texas, you're not expected to take people in. But if you're Joel Olstein or someone like Joel Olstein and you're preaching the gospel, of course there's a standard that you're going to have to live up to if – you know, here you are the preacher of God, Jesus. How come you're not taking any anybody in? Of course you're gonna and then now going into Kanye West, should Kanye West really be seen as a as a philosopher of newfound Christianity? But good for him. Good good for him. Uh, you know, his 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 he's he's preaching not having sex before marriage, he's preaching not having drugs. He's preaching against pornography. He talks a little about how pornography ruined him at one point. Yeah, and the good thing about Kanye is he's off, he's been offering a free service, so he's not making any money off of this. But is he an authority figure to speak about Christianity or to speak about Christians? It, it's ballsy on his part. 
It's ballsy on Kanye's part to be rejecting liberal ideology. Because, look, I love hip-hop. I, hip, I listen to hip-hop every day. But I also know not to take hip-hop literal. I know not to abuse women, to, to, to abuse women, to use women, to use sex, to use drugs and alcohol. I understand that. But that's the entire culture. Look at oh, Put on a hip-hop Pandora station, and they're talking about sex and drugs and all of that and drinking. This entire album of Kanye West, whether you like it or not, I'm curious if you like it or not. It's completely against this Hollywood-type hip-hop ideology. It's against the T.I.s and the Drakes and the Snoops who all hate the current president. But the thing I do have to say is, does this represent Christians? And I will, you know, I, I also want to give this to Kanye. He's facing cancel culture just like Kurt Suzuki, but Kurt Suzuki isn't a main staple in the sports culture like Kanye is to hip-hop. In Kanye's music, there's no cursing in it. But at the same time, it was shown, I read somewhere, that more people searched what Christianity meant than before he came out. So there is some good, but the only thing that I really worry about is, is Kanye West really the arbiter of what Christianity is? Hey, going forward, I want to move on to something else. NCAA is allowing athletes to get paid um, you know, the Associated Press breaking news at the time NCAA will, permer, will permit athletes to be compensated for their names, images, likeness, Board of Governors says. This stems from California Governor Gavin Newsom signing a bill that allows college athletes to make money off of endorsements, and I think that's fantastic. That's what the free market is. If, if the money's not coming straight from the college, but an athlete is good and he can make money off of his namesake, he should be able to do it. And – Especially if there's college athletes that, yes, they're getting either full scholarships, half, scholars, half scholarships, quarter scholarships, and they're pumping in all this money for these schools because of their name and they're winning Sundays, whether you're playing football, basketball, baseball, any major sport. But some of them are eating top ramen while coaches are getting paid $10 million. I'm sorry, but if you think that players – College athletes making money off their namesake is taking away amateurism. That amateurism, I'm sorry, went away a long time ago once coaches started making millions of dollars off of coaching players who are struggling to eat. There's a major mistake happening right now, though, and I don't know what has happened since. I don't know if he's retracted. And this is, you know, this is the one thing I forgot to mention, and I'm, I'll, I'll bring up why I'm bringing this up. I I. I, I'm never married to a political party. I vote the issue. And I've had somebody else tell me before, I'm a blue card carrying Democrat no matter what. Oh, yeah? Oh, really? What's the governor of Virginia, current governor right now, who got caught in a KKK outfit and he's still governor? Still voting for him next time? What about Roy Moore of – what is that? Uh, not, not Oklahoma. Roy, is it Oklahoma or Alabama? Roy Moore, who was caught molesting 14-year-old girls? He's planning on running again. As a Republican, are you going to still vote for him? This is the, the reason why I bring this up is 
Guys like North, North Carolina Senator Republican Bill Burr put out a tweet that says, quote, if college athletes are going to make money off their likeness while in school, their scholarship should be treated like income. I'll be introducing legislation that subjects scholarships given to athletes who choose to cash in to income taxes, close quote. Basically, he's saying if you make money off your namesake, I'm going to tax your scholarship. Uh, last I checked. The meaning of being a Republican or a major platform of a Republican is lower taxes. Um, I do. Do I need it? Wait, wait, what? Okay, I don't. I, that's frustrating to me, and I'm really curious to see what Bill Burr, what what he has endorsed, and what he has passed before. Because that's not conservatism, and I wouldn't vote for him. Hey, uh, I want to play this clip real quick before we go. There's this one clip I do want to play, and this is Tom Hartman. He has a YouTube video. It starts off with GOP frightens Americans. GOPs frighten Americans during time in need. Um, I'm going to play this, and I'm going to give you my commentary. Play the tape. What is the Republican Party up to? What are you know? What are they selling? What what are they promoting? And it turns out that it's, it's usually fear. This is uh, some just fascinating research um, that has been principally done by a, a psychology professor at Yale University. His name is John Burge, Barge, B-A-R-G-H. He wrote a book, Before You Know It, The Unconscious Reasons We Do What We Do. And what they found after 9-11 was that there was a measurable shift in public sentiment from liberal policy positions, I'm talking things like Social Security and Medicare, from liberal policy positions to conservative policy positions. Oh, let's we, we should just privatize it. That's fine. George Bush is going to talk about that. Great. And and in fact, this 2000 this, that was 2001, right? Then in 2003, a group of scientists did a kind of a summary study of other studies on the impact of fear on people's political perspectives. And what they found was that when people are frightened, they become conservative. They start adopting conservative policy positions. And in fact, this is a quote from that study. They they said, and I quote, people embrace political conservatism because it serves to reduce fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. So you know what I have to say to that is – and because this clip was actually sent to me by by somebody who follows me who's very liberal, is they said, why do conservatives instill fear in other people when in their time of need or when there is you know uh, when there's an emergency? Could it be that maybe when there's a, it's, it's like this, right? Let's say you're driving down a road. Let's say you're going from Northern California here in Sacramento to Los Angeles, clear cut shot and there's no traffic, and you have a 19, 18-, 19-year-old, maybe your son or a family member, you say, go ahead and drive. Go ahead. You've only been driving for two years, but clear-cut road, go ahead and go. But then imagine if you're going to Los Angeles, and there's traffic, there's rain, there's sleet, and maybe there's wild, there's fires going on because there's known fires that's been happening here in California. You would probably take the road and tell the person up, get in the backseat, I'm taking over. 
I want to do this. This is my it's my car. It's my freedom. I get to do what I want. I want to take control of whatever my car going through all this adversity. And liberalism really is a liberalism is like a a a, a utope of utopia that the government takes control for you. Just like healthcare, government mandated healthcare or healthcare that you can afford that you get to choose what doctor you go to, what specialist you go to. Whereas if the government chooses for you, you have less options. You have less quality. Or when atheists or non-believers are in their later part of their lives, how many of them become to embrace God? Something has to be there. It's their choice to have faith into something that requires a leap of faith that maybe can change the outcome of what you want. That's what really conservatism really is. It's a lot of what it is. I'm not saying that all conservatives are religious, but many conserv- but there are many conservatives that are religious, and they don't want a utopia where the government – it's out of their hands, and they don't get to decide what's going on in any sense of the imagination. Or during – after 9-11, the only really thing that binded the United States or one of the main things was the flag. The United States flag, the U.S. flag, sold out of everywhere. That's our credo. It's our one thing that binded us together. So, of course, this guy who's more liberal is going to call it instilling fear, but maybe that people resort to things that they control that can also include faith, freedom of religion. You don't have that freedom to choose if you want to be a specific religion in North Korea or Cuba. In Cuba, you can't be Catholic. You just can't be. You have to be agnostic. Maybe that's why… In time of need, in time of desperation, in time of death, people tend to resort not to Republican policies, but conservative values. Complete difference. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Ray Paris Podcast. Feel free to email me at it's Ray Paris. That's I-T-S-R-A-Y-P-E-R-E-Z at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at it's Ray Paris. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Ray Paris Podcast.